And, you know, with addiction, it leads to more guilt, which then you solve with the addiction and it just becomes this snake eating its tail sort of a, a vibe, right? And eventually, you know, that can't last long, like physical and mental health kind of really takes a dive the more years it went on. And um, I had my daughter when I was 25. So then it was kind of like a set myself and my problems aside and try to really just focus on being good mom. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach. And I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, friends. I'm so excited that you've joined me today for the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm Julie Boyer, and I wanted to share something really exciting with you before we get into today's episode with Aaron Martin. This week, I am celebrating the two-year anniversary of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. It was two years ago this week that I said, heck yes, and launched the podcast without having any idea that I would still be here two years later. When I first started the podcast, I made a commitment to produce 50 episodes, and after that, I would make a decision on whether I would continue with the podcast or not. Sometimes I can't believe that we've been doing this for two years, and I am so honored by the incredible guests that continue to share their stories with me. Today's episode is an interview with Aaron Martin, and Aaron shares a very personal and difficult story about being abused as a child. She was groomed by a teacher who was also a sports coach, and this experience led her to deal with drug and guilt addiction until she was an adult. Erin shares her story from a perspective of gratitude. She's honest, she's authentic, and what I love about her willingness to share is that someone else may hear this story and may have the confidence to share something that they never have before. So there is a content warning for this episode. We're going to talk about these pretty heavy topics for about the first 11 to 12 minutes. And then we're going to hear more about Erin, her career as a chef and a nutrition coach, and the work she's doing today as a certified neuro health and life coach. For Erin, gratitude is a foundation of how she chooses to live. And it's been an instrumental tool, not only in her personal life, but in the work that she does with her clients. I don't usually mention upcoming events in the podcast intro because, of course, these are timely. However, I wanted to mention that Erin is going to be running an Eating for Emotional Well-Being workshop the weekend of January 22nd and 23rd, and I'm going to be one of the guest speakers. I get to speak about two things that I love, gratitude and gut health, because we all know that our nutrition affects our mood and our brain chemistry. This workshop will feature presenters, workshops, live coaching on how to positively impact your mental resilience and emotional flexibility through proper nutrition and related lifestyle practices. If this sounds like something you'd want to attend, please visit Erin's website at erinmartincoaching.com. That's erinmartincoaching.com. I have one last thing to ask you before we get into the episode. I was wondering if you'd help me celebrate two years of the podcast by leaving a review. Now, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can do so directly from your device. For some of us, like me, who don't use Apple, you can also leave a review through podchaser.com, or if you're using Stitcher for your app to listen to podcasts, you can also leave a review there. It helps so much when you take the time to leave a review. Even if you don't have time to leave a written review, just leaving a five-star review, if you are so inclined, really helps the podcast to be found by other people. Thank you so much for all your support over the past two years. I'm honored that you're choosing to listen to this podcast when there are thousands to choose from. I really love how we've grown as a gratitude community, and I have so many exciting things in store as we wrap up 2021 and move into season three in 2022. 
stay tuned because there's another really big podcast milestone that we're going to be celebrating very soon. All right, you've stuck around long enough. Before we get into the interview, let's invite Erin Martin to share her story here on the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boye, and today I'm welcoming my friend, Erin Martin. Hello, my friend. Hello, my new friend. I know, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Erin and I have only spoken a couple of times, but it feels like just connecting to an old friend. We have so much in common. I'm so excited to get into this podcast with all of you. And she is a, she's a certified neural health and life coach. So she'll explain what all those things are, which is really amazing. And, you know, Erin reached out to me through a common group that we have saying, you know, explaining that her work actually has to do a lot with, with gratitude. So we I was like, I definitely need to talk to you about this. And what she does is she helps people to heal from emotional addiction. So this is a topic that hasn't been covered yet on the podcast. I'm very excited to hear from Erin. And she got into this work really through her own journey, healing her own drug and guilt addiction. She is very educated around the nervous system, the brain. And she also comes to this work from a background as a chef, as a nutrition coach. And she's just an incredible woman like me, a multi-passionate entrepreneur and does so many things. And she's launched a new podcast. Anyways, Erin, so much to talk about. I was like, well, that woman sounds pretty great. (laughs) Right? Don't you love being introduced by other people? You get like a peek of yourself outside of yourself. It's good. Yes. Well, I am excited to hear. I've heard little bits of your story, but as we love to start the podcast, you know, I mentioned a little bit about your story. I imagine, you know, these addictions and things developed over time. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and your story? Yeah, for sure. How far would you like me to go back? You can start from uh, maybe some things in childhood that kind of might've led to some of the behaviors that, you know, you dealt with as an adult. Yeah, no, sure. Um, so I had a great childhood. I, uh, I was a real kind of rambunctious kid, you know, always um, looking for trouble, but just like adventurous, always playing with the boys. I was a big tomboy and um, I was a mature kid. I was an only child. So I had that kind of sense of independence. And, um, you know, that comes with a lot of fabulous, um, uh, like a lot of, you know, great results in life, but then also, and this is kind of just this this dark turn of the story quickly. It did result in also um, me being kind of open, uh, kind of like open target for a teacher that took on a little bit too much of interest in me. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. So kind of that's just where my story began. And I just say that because that's kind of really where the guilt addiction began that I talked that I'm going to talk about. So, um, you know, I had some things happen with a teacher and uh, afterwards, when it kind of all wrapped up, there was a lot of guilt left there, right? A lot of that, like, it was my fault, Um, even kind of the way that I tell the story there, right? Like, it's still kind of in me that I had something to do with that. Meanwhile, you know, it was, um, it was obviously all all that person and, and kind of their problems. So that kind of began where my my guilt came in, came from, but then, uh, I went into grade nine and, uh, found drugs and partying with my friends and just kind of took all of that sadness away. Cause I think I was quite depressed for about the year afterwards. And, you know, like using drugs as a young teenager is not the best, but it also did give me this kind of sense of joy in my life again. And, connecting with friends. And, you know, I, I was very, felt very lonely after that all happened. So, you know, having this kind of quotes tool has a way to reconnect and reconnect with happiness. I think it kind of is one of the reasons that I fell into it so hard, right? It just became this, this coping mechanism for me. So, you know, just growing up through my twenties, I was just kind of somebody that liked to go to parties and like to have a bit too much fun, et cetera. But, um, the guilt still stayed. And, you know, with addiction, it leads to more guilt, which then you solve with the addiction 
and it just becomes this snake eating its tail sort of a, a vibe, right? And eventually, you know, that can't last long, like physical and mental health kind of really takes a dive the more years it went on. And um, I had my daughter when I was 25. So then it was kind of like a set myself and my problems aside and try to really just focus on being a good mom. But, you know, all of that stuff is just still sitting there stewing and unhealed. And eventually they just kind of kind of crossed over and they kind of leak into one another. So when I was finally 36, I really kind of hit a bottom with it. And it's funny because um, in my, my first podcast episode that I am recording right now, I'm actually doing it on hitting an emotional bottom mm. because this is something that I really came to realize recently, actually, as I was, I've been exploring emotional health more is that while, yes, you know, we think of hitting a bottom as being with drugs or with an addiction, really what I hit a bottom was with, with guilt. Like the guilt was finally like I was drowning in guilt and that was the bottom because I couldn't, I couldn't escape it. Right. It just ended up kind of like a disease infecting every area of my life. Anything I could feel guilty for, <laughs> I was there. <sighs> it's like a guilt filter, you know, and it, this can be with any emotion for sure. You know, shame is a big one for people. Yeah. Um, you know, anxiety, resentment, lots of lots of things like that. So I think really what where I landed myself, you know, going to rehab was to solve for my guilt, really. And once I solve for the guilt, you know, the addiction just kind of works itself out, right? Because not needing those drugs to try to cope anymore with um with that unhealed, all that unhealed wounding. Aaron, I, I want to honor your story um, <laughs> and say thank you for you know, sharing a very difficult time in your life. Um, I did not you know, know this was where your story began you know, as, a, as a child. So you would have been around 13 years old. Yeah, 11. Heard. Okay. So I'm just curious, how, how did your parents, like, were they able to, you said you had a great childhood. Mm -hmm. You went through this experience with a teacher. Were your parents able to support you in this? Was this a secret? Like, because this was a very different time. Yeah. Right. A lot of different times. And I'm just wondering how you felt so if you were supported during that times with your parents. Yeah, no, totally. Well, for the two years it was going on, it was our secret, of course. Right. So um, I held that very pridefully. I felt very special that this was something that I had. So I was sneaky about it, right? I didn't, I didn't give all the details. I would, I, I was a, an athlete, so I spent a lot of time after school with my sports teams, and it was a very messy story. There was another teacher involved, and without going into too much details, it, um, it just was very complicated because there was this other female teacher involved that was having an affair with the teacher that was um, molesting me. So it was kind of complicated and there was just a, a lot of pressure on me to try to like hold everybody's story as I felt like my kind of responsibility to take care of. So yeah, I did, I hid it from my parents and you know, when it all finally did come out, I was humiliated. That's how I felt. I've that was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life, right? Like, you know, I get called to the office at my school and I walk in and there's the principal, the two teachers, my guidance counselor, my mom and the police. And I'm just like, you know, and I know what's happened because I had divulged the secret secretly to the other teacher, just kind of in like a, don't tell anybody this is between you and me. And of course she had to say what was really going on. So, and then, <clears throat> so, and you know, when you're a kid, you think everything's your fault, right? Like there's that, the, that, that mindset of it's because of me. So all of the kind of angry-ish expressions that I saw in people's faces to me, I thought that meant I did something wrong. So, you know, I just really shut down after that. Like I, I shut down. I didn't want to talk. You know, my mom had really wanted me to talk to somebody and I was just completely close to it. And 
you know, she says like, when I didn't want to do something, I didn't do it. So I think also, you know, that's a difficult situation for a parent to understand what to do in as well. And um, I didn't have my dad and my, my stepdad, they had gotten a divorce. So I kind of just had my mom and, you know, I think she did the best that she could for sure. But, you know, I was not willing to take any part in my own healing then. I just wanted it to all go away. Mm -hmm. And the worst part was that they said I was a liar at the end of it all. So they had said that um, I was a liar. I was trying to, like, be on this female teacher's side because they broke up their affair and she had made me say that about him like it was so f-u-c-k-e-d like it was really uh very very messy and um got swept under the rug it was like a got a like a a write on his report he got moved schools and that was it it just kind of went away so it was very invalidating obviously made me really question like my part in it and none of the guilt stuff was dealt with you know because I felt like I betrayed him but then I thought well why would he lie and say it didn't happen like it was I was very confused by it and I think my little brain was just was just wanted something to feel good again and so you know drugs were there and raves were there and that was like a big thing in the 90s so I was just a little raver raver kid happy with my friends on the weekend and then trying to just block it all out during the week you know you know what's amazing about your story Erin is that you're here and you're on the other side yeah and there are so many kids who tell stories and finally speak up and like you are told that it's not real didn't happen Mm -hmm. you're making things up I'm really interested, like the mentality behind an adult telling, why would a child ever make up this kind of thing? Like, it's this weird thing where it's like, oh, they're just doing it for attention. Who wants that? I know. What child wants that kind of attention? Yeah. And like, it makes no sense to me that, that, that happens. It's like, like you said, you felt so humiliated in that moment that you were put in that situation. So why would you intentionally want that attention? And I, I honor that um, I honor that you tell your story in a way that you you do own your emotions as a child, which was it's a lot like saying, you know, you were offered this help and you said no and you were stubborn and you just said no way. Like that's also um, that I can tell where you are in your healing journey because of the way that you're telling your story with this like honoring that you didn't said, you know, said, no, I don't want to talk about it. And that's yeah. again, why would you, you feel completely humiliated? Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody kind of invalidates you. It's like, why would I want to tell somebody else about it? If they're going to do the same, that's was kind of my mentality. Right. But the, the good news. Yeah. You were saying the good news is. Yeah. So the great news is um, also part of my story. So when I was 29, I got this call from the police saying that this teacher had been accused again. And the only thing they had on him was my little complaint from 94. (laughs) Or 93. The only one who spoke up. Yeah. Yeah. And so they wanted me to come into the police station. Wow. Yeah. That was like, uh, that was a moment, man. I, it was like all of my, like all, all my life, you know, I would hear, something about something related on the TV. And I would wonder, Oh, is it going to be him? And it's never was him. I thought it's never going to be him. And then one day it freaking was him. So, um, so I went into the police station, they took my, my statement and they said that it was like, so matching the girls and they were the same age. They were into sports. They looked like me, like everything. They're totally the same. And so they asked if I would appear in court to testify. So when I was, uh, 30. I went to court to testify against him with him in the room. And I had, by then I had a daughter. I was, she was five and I was a grown woman. I mean, I, I was struggling with drugs, of course, but 
Um, I really felt like I'm going to go in that room and I'm going to look him in the eye and I'm going to stand up for myself. And kind of the opposite happened. I mean, I got up there and I said my piece, but the lawyer was really hard on me trying to find holes in my story. And I kind of fell apart on, on the stand. I was up there for like four or five hours. And I walked out of that courtroom, a broken mess back at 13, you know? And so from there, my addiction got worse. But positive side, he was convicted because there was this pattern of behavior established. And so he was charged and no longer teaching. And that's that part of it is done. And the girls that were um, the current victims... I actually met with them and uh, I think they were really uh, felt very supported the fact that somebody could understand what they were going through. So at the time I was like, I don't care because <laughs> I was just such a mess after I thought yeah. I wish I had done that, you know, all it did was bring me more pain. But now looking back, talking about gratitude, I think like what a freaking gift to be able to resolve that situation right instead of it just yeah. being like this open sore for the rest of my life and for them like yeah. and for the other girls that he would have teached like holy gratitude there it's crazy it's so interesting to me as well how um you've now become someone who really studies the brain and emotions and our mm-hmm. nervous system after all these experiences that you went through where you know basically i mean your own brain like is like doubting yourself, right? Because of the way that you were treated and everything, it really kind of brings your story together of how, you know, why this passion for this work that you're doing, but you didn't go right from emotional breakdown to certified neuro health and no. <laughs> So um, I mentioned a little bit though, that you became a chef and a nutrition sure. coach. So when, when did that sort of passion show up in your life? We'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. My friends, I have a gift for you. I created a beautiful gratitude meditation that you can download directly to your phone. What I love about this gratitude meditation is that it's a great way to start your day. And I encourage you to turn your phone on airplane mode before you go to sleep. And the nice thing about having a meditation that's downloaded to your phone is that you don't need to turn your phone off airplane mode before you start your day with gratitude. So to access this gratitude meditation, please visit bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. It's all one word and gratitude, love, and letter are all capitalized. So that's bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. As a bonus, I'll be sharing with you my weekly gratitude love letter into your inbox. It's something that will bring joy and happiness and of course gratitude to your inbox every single week. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. You'll hear about other podcasts and blogs and articles that I find interesting and want to share with you And I also share some of my favorite photos that I've taken that week. So if we're not connected on social media, you'll get the best of wake up with gratitude in your inbox as well. All right, friends, let's get back into this episode of the podcast. So I was a chef since I was 25. I went to culinary school or 20, no, 23. Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I was a chef for 20 years actually, which is you know, hard partying lifestyle, you know, the whole, you know, partying right. hard just seemed yeah. very normal to me outside of the fact that, you know, um, it was an addiction. It was like everybody was into it. So it kind of made it easier to get away with, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I went to rehab, I was 36 and um, I came out of that and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I'd always thought about doing personal chefing. So I decided to become a personal chef because I didn't want to be in that unhealthy atmosphere anymore, right? Makes sense. Yeah. And I loved it. Loved, like I'm a service person. So, you know, I've always worked in service type of jobs and I really loved the um, intimacy that I got to have with each family, 
you know, making their food exactly what they wanted. And I'm a people pleaser. So, you know, I got to really just like soak in all of my programming, <laughs> but for positive for a positive way. And just really establish these beautiful relationships with my clients. And often they would stand in the kitchen, I think, because it's such a, a comfortable place. Like it's this have this primal, you know, feeling when you're in the kitchen. And they would tell me all of their business. Like they would want to share where they're at. Or and I really started noticing that people love to talk to me and that I felt comfortable like hearing their stories because of what I had been through. Like because I'd been, you know, I had this. This I feel like this like depth of emotion that I was able to access after, you know, having, you know, healed all of, well, working on healing all my stuff. I felt like I was really able to kind of empathize with others. So, but the cooking is tiring, you know, I'm 41 now and it's hard on the body standing all day and carrying groceries and hot kitchens. And I thought, you know, I can't see myself doing this when I'm like 50, so I started thinking, you know, people like to talk to me. Yeah. I'm into food. Maybe I could do nutrition coaching because nutrition and healthy eating, one of the things kind of kept my addiction going for a long time is I was actually also a very healthy person. I worked out. <laughs> I ate well. Like my health was a, a priority to me since I was little as being somebody who was into sports. So I just thought maybe I could combine those two. So I looked into um, nutrition coach program and I found a health nutrition program which came with a side life coach certification and so that was kind of how I ended up there but then I love the life coaching stuff so much because it was you know it was really about coaching on the brain and um, understanding psychology and things like that I just was like soaked it up I just loved it and then I found neuro health coaching which is kind of a combination of brain science, like you said, nervous system health, psychology. And I wanted to work in this kind of holistic wellness part of it. Mm -hmm. So looking at people's nutrition or, you know, mindfulness practice, really like understanding the pillars of, you know, sleeping, eating and moving yeah. and how kind of without that, we can do all the mindset work we want, but it's like, it's like trying to push uphill, you know? And so, yeah, no, that's where I am now. Oh my and gosh. Imagine, I love emotions because I've been through the gamut of them, I feel like. So, um, yeah, I just, I know what it feels like to be, feel completely emotionally out of control. And I just want to help people not feel that way, you know. I want to just make sure we don't just gloss over what you said, which was really important is that health is so multifaceted Yeah, and you mentioned about sleep and movement and food and emotions, like all of these things make up this holistic vision of health. And you know, you and I really align on this so much, <laughs> you know, I've, I've run so many programs over the years and every time in the program, I'm like, just be aware. This is not just a food program. Right. Right. We're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about nutrition supplements, but we're also going to talk about how to improve your quality of sleep. We're going to talk about decluttering your spaces. We're going to talk about gratitude as a foundation and all these things because they're so interconnected. And one observation I think you quickly mentioned is that perhaps you were able to, your addiction went longer than it might for others before you went into a destructive spiral because you had these other healthy habits. It's true. Right. <laughs> because a lot of, like right. That. Often an addict is not eating properly or getting yeah. sleep or all of these things. And so their downward spiral is often a lot faster. Like the fact that you carried on for so many years, mm -hmm. I kind of had a moment of like, oh, that makes sense now because you were doing so many other things. Well, it kind of kept you going longer than probably others would have. It's true. That is so true. It's very true until like it got so bad that those things started to fall off, right? I stopped eating regularly because my stomach was so screwed up and I stopped exercising and I wasn't sleeping well. And that was when things really took a dive, you know? So yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So let's talk a little bit about these, these negative emotion patterns and how they affect, like you just said, like my gut hurts so much. Mm -hmm. So how does that relate to you having this guilt addiction? Yeah. So one of the biggest things I've struggled with physical health wise through my life was indigestion. 
you know, and um, I've always ate quite healthfully. Like I'm never somebody who, uh, you know, has junk food. Not that there's anything wrong with junk food, right? All food's fit. Yep. Yeah. All food, no moral value to food, but I always did try to eat on a kind of a way that's like clean, let's call it. Um, and, uh, I think I just carried so much stress all the time. I mean, I was also in a very toxic, abusive relationship with my ex for like 14 years since I was really young, like 17 until I was 31 when I finally broke up, we finally split. Um, and I think I just was always surging with stress, whether it was from the guilt or from, we were very codependent. So I was, like I said, I was a people pleaser. Like I just had so much uh, like traumatic emotion kind of going Mm. on inside of me that my digestion was just like totally screwed. Right. And then if I wasn't eating properly or digesting properly, then that was contributing to my inability to manage my emotions because, you know, I didn't have a good amount of nutrition in my body or my body wasn't processing all of the vitamins and everything. So, uh, kind of, I always know actually when I'm off track, if not, I notice it in my emotions, I'll notice it in my digestion. Yes. Like I think I'm not stressed, but then I'm like, but I'm indigested. So this connection with the gut brain, I mean, it, I started exploring this a number of years ago when I first did um, one of my, you know, 30 day programs to explore mm-hmm. like this connection between the gut and the brain. It was kind of new then this like understanding that people that often suffer from depression have gut issues as well. There's a huge connection in this that you were able to identify that for yourself too, is also, I think a lot of people are still missing that, that connection between how their gut feels and their emotional state. So you talk about some of the ways you help people with these strategies to help break these patterns, to help heal these cycles. So what are some of the things you do? Cause I know that gratitude falls into those category of things that ways that you help and different strategies you, you share. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like I mentioned, the basis that I always start my programs with people is to look at the foundations. So sleeping, eating, drinking water, and some type of movement, right? Yes. And I think gratitude plays into that just to begin with, because like once we can get those to a place of balance or more health, Mm. we become very grateful for what they can provide, right? And when they're not on track, it's like we forget how, how important they are. So it's like, we lose our appreciation for them for sure. Yes. Whereas now that I'm older, like <laughs> I get into bed sometimes at 9.30 and I am freaking grateful. Meanwhile, before I used to think that sounds like a boring life to me, right? Like I didn't understand that um, I really have to set my body up like from a biological, physical standpoint if I want my mind to work, you know, the way that I would like it to. Like, it's like, they're symbiotic, right? Like, (laughs) like we're we're parts, we're, we're a whole, but we're made of parts and all the parts are symbiotic. So I, uh, and thank God for that. Like there's something to be grateful for too. Right. Cause it means that when one thing is off, like I can, I can attack it from different areas, right? Like you said, like if my, my digestion is off, maybe I can start to look at some of my emotions and where those are out of whack. Or, um, what's another example? Well, you're not sleep or you're not sleeping well. Uh-huh. Like I, it's interesting. Cause I having like 10 years ago is when I first realized that I was, that gluten was not working for me at all. Like I was oh, yeah. having so much digestive upset and it was based back to gluten, which was, this was in a day when gluten-free didn't, wasn't a thing. Right. And so I <laughs> yeah, was teaching, days. yeah, those days when it wasn't like a trend, it was actually, and I was helping to teach people how to eat in a gluten-free way, but eat food and not being reliant on packaged food. Again, there's nothing wrong with packaged food, but at that yep. time, a lot of the packaged food that was available really had very little nutritional value. So you didn't feel good after yeah. eating it. And so this real understanding of like, okay, so I'm eating this like healthy wrap for lunch, but it's made from wheat. And why do I have cramps all the time after I eat? 
right? Yeah. So like these little triggers that connect and for the majority of people, there's no understanding that it affects us in so many ways, like what we're eating, how we're sleeping. And you said something that I think is also interesting is this connection, the mind um, and our gut and how we feel in our physical body, um, you know, traditionally for just even traditional medicine has separated the brain from the rest of the body. Yeah. You have all the traditional cardiology, you know, like all the other ones. And then you have psychology as a whole other separate. And it's like, I love that we're coming back together now and remembering that. Yeah. They're connected. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was kind of like cut the head off and put the head over here and then have the body over there with a different set of doctors. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. With neuro health coaching, one of the ways I try to approach it is it has two, um, two methodologies. It has a top down approach. So we look at brain biology, understanding the brain, things like mindfulness, meditation, um, gratitude would be perfect. Exactly. Things like that. And so we're looking to help the, put the body into a state of relaxation, starting from the top down, right? So Mm -hmm. thought work, you know, doing things like that, managing thoughts. Then there is a a bottom up approach. So then we're looking at embodiment practices. We're looking at the nutrition, like you said, movement, sleep, right? Um, the nervous system health, things like that. And then we're kind of you putting the body into a state of relaxation so that the brain goes, Oh, okay. The body's relaxed. So I guess we must be relaxed too. Like the body's breathing slow. So I guess that must mean everything is safe, which tends to be actually be easier because when your mind is stressed, right. And we're emotional, and our cognitive thinking goes down, sometimes those top-down approaches can be a bit more difficult to to grasp at, which is why I think some really solid practices like gratitude, you know, journaling, uh, if you have a mindfulness practice that can actually be built in as habits, then they can be touchstones, right? As opposed to sitting there going, well, what thought is it that I'm having that I need to change? I don't know because I'm too upset right now. So I really love um, gratitude practice for that, for sure. I find it, I think it's very grounding in that way. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And you said something that I think is a word that we all kind of need to have more often in our vocabulary is that stop. Yeah. Just stop. Because what happens is we don't stop. And then mm-hmm. our mind, and I say we, because like I, I fall into this too. And you said, you know, you're still on your healing journey. Like this, the human experience is a journey. There's a like I'm healed from my childhood trauma. <laughs> like that's just never going to happen a hundred percent. You're doing yeah. the work because stuff will come up sometimes out yeah. of the blue. Sometimes yeah. you've been feeling great for like a couple of years and then random thing comes up and you fall back. But what I see and I hear from you is that you're teaching people ways that habits they create, ways to deal with it so that when the mind is, you know, going like crazy or when the trigger comes up, they have actual strategies that they know how to do. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about some of these, when you look at ways that you incorporate gratitude, maybe even into your own life, what kind of practices do you either do in your own life or are you sharing with your clients? Yeah. So I like to do grounding exercises a lot and, um, those can look like one of them I was just talking with today is like three, two, one, where you look for, you know, three things you can touch and describe two things you can see and describe to yourself. And then one thing you can like hear or smell and describe to yourself. Right. And it just like brings you back to the present moment. Yeah. And the same thing with gratitude, like we'll set kind of reminders on phone, like, you know, one at nine, one at 12 and one at five or whatever, or before bed where they have this moment where they need to find something in the room or in their surrounding, something that triggers them to feel gratitude for. So rather than having them, you know, find gratitude, you know, I'm grateful for my grandma and what she taught me about cooking, right? But she's passed away now, but still grateful for that. But I would do more like I'm grateful for my cat because, you know, she provides me with so much love. You know, I'm grateful to be able to be on this podcast with you right now. And I'm grateful that, you know, my bedroom has a large window and I get to see the sunrise every morning. So 
trying to which you would love. Yeah, I was like, oh, I would like that. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. You know, so trying to yeah. make gratitude as a grounding practice is something that I really like to work in with my clients. I love, um, I really like this uh, gratitude reminder on your phone. Um, I've heard it from a few people, but I like, so uh, I suggest changing the name of your alarm in the morning if you're using your phone to remind you to wake up with gratitude. Oh, that's and good. Yeah. And then another, uh, another friend that was on the podcast said she has like a 9 PM reminder to like to pause wherever she is and be grateful. But this is the first time I've thought about kind of setting the reminders throughout the day. So I think I'm actually going to do that in my own life right now is just, you know, I do spend a large part of my day, either talking about gratitude, practicing gratitude or remembering to be grateful, but, uh, it doesn't mean that I don't need reminders and it doesn't mean that these strategies can't work for someone. There are definitely people listening right now who have gratitude strategies and habits already. Oh yeah. Often we get people that listen that already practice gratitude, but they're looking for reminders and and different and creative Mm. ways. And this is what's fun about gratitude is that it's free. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. And it's very simple, but sometimes it's not easy. And I I really like what you said about little more, like, you know, setting reminders, like every three hours, I think will help to make it easier for people because they're being prompted to stop, ground themselves, look around. And I also like what you said about, um, not just, uh, grateful for this, but why? Yes. I think, I think that's the most, one of the most important pieces, right? Yeah. Is why, why am I grateful for this? For me, I heard that somewhere and that was really what pulled together the, uh, power of gratitude for me was, was the why. Yeah, it's important. And I, I don't always think of that either. So I appreciate the reminder for me. And I say these things because I want people to know that you're, I'm someone who, this is what I do. I talk about gratitude all the time and I'm always learning. Yeah. And I'm getting reminders. And so please don't be hard on yourself. If you're like, I'm having a hard time with this gratitude thing. Like, absolutely. And I think it's also, it's like a, like a diet or like going to the gym. Like if you fall off for a day or two, don't throw the whole thing out the window, right? Just pick up the next day. Or if you miss it in the morning, freaking do it at three o'clock. Like you do gratitude whenever, like you said, it's free and like, it's always available to you. It's like love, like gratitude is always available. You just do it. You just like do it when you remember, right? Like, you know, you can always pick back up with it. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So Erin, you've got a bunch of exciting things going on in your business right now. So uh, you just launched your podcast. So tell us the name of your podcast again. The Emotional Wellbeing Podcast with Erin Martin. (laughs) You have to put in with Erin on, if you search for it on Spotify, because there's a lot of things with emotional wellbeing kind of in it. But uh, yeah, the Emotional Wellbeing Podcast with Erin. Well, and as your podcast grows, you know, we'll be able to just put your name in and your podcast will show up. So I've learned that too, is that the more you should, you know, the more your podcast grows, the more we're easy to find. I'm so, uh, I love that you just started your podcast. I think it's great that you've decided this medium because it does really connect with people in a different way. And then Mm -hmm. you have a new program that you're designing. So depending on when people are listening, it may or may not be out, but tell me a little bit about this new program. Yeah. So, um, I have a few things going on right now. So I have a three month one-to-one program where we very methodically, work towards uh, finding a sense of emotional freedom from within. And I attack that, like I said, from this kind of top down and bottom up approach. We start with the first beginning of the program is like the physical health stuff, like we were talking about. And then we move into the mindset work and the psychology part, right? Once like, once the brain is healthy enough to be able to do the work, then we start to allow it to do what it does best. So that program is called Freedom From Within. Okay, okay it's my three-month one-to-one. And uh, and then the Eating for Emotional Well-Being is actually an online retreat that I'm going to be hosting in January. Oh. And just getting kind of getting the details together for that. But that focus is going to be all about like choosing nutrition and like intentionally eating to set ourselves up for emotional well-being during the day, right? Amazing. So like managing your blood sugar, 
eating, right? Like that's a huge one. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like everybody knows hangry, but nobody seems to like really like apply it. Right. Like if you are, if you want to manage emotions, you know, you need to have stable blood sugar. It's kind of, well, I'm teaching my daughter this. Yeah. My daughter's 11. And every time she has like a massive breakdown, I'm like, when did you last eat? Exactly. That's my first question. (laughs) And I'm like, take some food. I will like shove food in her face. But sometimes you're already, you can't eat when you're in that state. But I, there is a huge connection with this and just uh, keeping your blood sugar stable. There's a lot of health benefits, but the emotional benefit. Oh, so good, Erin. I love it. Okay. Yeah. That's good that you're teaching your daughter young. Well, you know, I, I mean, we do the best that we can with what we know and what we have. And so I grew up with a person who really struggles with like low blood sugar for me mm. and like growing up disaster, like for oh, yeah. my mood and my emotions, oh, yeah. I would blow up all the time. And even as an adult, I had to really learn and understand. I didn't understand blood sugar until I started in, you know, my business it's about 15 years ago now, but mm-hmm. you no, know, I was 30. Didn't even understand how it affected my mood. And like you said, this is people just don't. So I'm glad that's included. So I just want to, so we are recording this now, this will launch in November, 2021. We're going to release this in December of 2021. Your program is for January, 2022. So what I'll do is um, I will share at in the intro of this, if we've got more details and stuff about the program, so people know what's coming up. But in the meantime, Erin, where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, you can check me out on Instagram. It's Erin Jacqueline Martin, E-R-I-N-J-A-C-L-Y-N, Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N. Um, or my website is erinmartincoaching.com. You can book a book a consult there with me to talk more about details, but I share a lot of um, what's happening with my program and the retreat uh, stuff through my Instagram on my stories and, and whatnot. That's great. Thank you. That's yeah. always great to know where the best place to connect. And I love that you do offer that consultation, which I think is really important. And I share this every time I have a wonderful coach on my podcast is that there are so many options for people to coach with. Yeah. What's most important is you find the right coach for you. Yeah. You and not be coach. scared to have a chat. Like yeah. I'm not, you know, it's, I, I, even when I got my coach, I was afraid to call. You don't know what it's going to be like. Is it going to be some sort of pressure thing? And it's just a chat. Like I'm, it's just talking with me, this lady on the podcast. I'm just a regular person, but yeah. I feel like I can help. And uh, I just want to meet people and like, just take it from there, you know? And I think too, that's a really good point that you make is that people are scared. They're going to be sold on a coaching, like an intro call, but any coach that I know the intro call is really that moment to figure out, can I help this person? And do we have a good rapport? Yeah. And those are really the, what you're looking to answer when you do say yes to consulting with a coach, because if there's not a good fit, any good coach will actually say, I'm not the right person for you. Because I think as coaches as well, like it's so important to have clients that you feel good about, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. I love all my clients. Like I am, I'm their biggest fan. I like to think. That's amazing. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Wow. We've been on quite the journey on this podcast today. You've shared with us some really uh, difficult story of your childhood and your origin story and how you've become this incredible human today that Mm -hmm. serves others. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your heart with us, your practices with us. And I'm just so grateful that we've met. Yeah, absolutely. I was just um, thinking one thing before the end. I just grab it. Yes, please do. I just remembered when I was in rehab, I started a gratitude journal. Yay. And here it is. It was my first one ever. I'd never done gratitude before. And that was something that every day it, it kept me going. Oh, that's amazing that your rehab program included gratitude. Yeah. That's yeah. It says today I am grateful for gratif- grateful for a beautiful day because it's the day I go home. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. My gratitude practice started, uh, started my journey to where I am today. So that's pretty freaking incredible. 
Oh, it's so it is. very, very grateful to you as well for, uh, for everything that you do. It's been such a joy. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Aaron. I look forward to, uh, you know, continuing this conversation, maybe having you back on the podcast another time. I've just mm-hmm. really loved our time together and, uh, just so grateful we met. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, me too. <laughs> thank you so much. If you've been around the podcast for the last little while, you know that I leave you with an end secret if you stick around. All right. Some of you who follow me on social media will already know this about me, but I've started a new habit this fall and I guess as we're going into the winter, and that is I've been doing cold ocean dipping. Now hear me out. I know it sounds a bit nuts to be going into the ocean when it's cold and the water is very cold, but there are great benefits to cold immersion therapy. Now, at first, I was just doing this as a personal challenge. So I started in September. That was the advice that I was given. You know, this is something that I'd wanted to try for a number of years. As you know, I like to go to the beach at sunrise and take photos. So I would see mostly women dipping and I would think, wow, this is amazing that they're getting in the water and it's so cold, but they seem to be really enjoying themselves. So I always kind of had it in the back of my head that this is something that I wanted to try. I was told that if you started in September, it was a lot easier come December to get in the water. And amazingly, they were right. So I started in September and the first few times I went in, I remember that my feet just burned from the cold and I could hardly stand it. But after about the fourth time, I found that it wasn't nearly as bad as before. The water was definitely colder, but that pain wasn't the same. I was listening to another podcast and I learned that when our brain is anticipating something to be enjoyable or good for our health, we release different uh, hormones in the brain, which makes the experience, which is still painful and uncomfortable, but not nearly as bad. I'll tell you. There are many days now where I get in the water and I have a huge smile on my face, even though it's really effing cold. Okay, I'm curious. Does anybody else do this or am I the only one that is this, let's say, adventurous for doing cold ocean dipping? Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.